Hey leader, and welcome to episode number 327 of the L3 Leadership Podcast, where we are obsessed with helping you grow to your maximum potential and to maximize the impact of your leadership. My name is Doug Smith, and I am your host, and today's episode is brought to you by my friends at Baritung Advisors. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here, and I hope that you enjoy our content and become a subscriber. Know that you can also watch all of our episodes over on our YouTube channel, so make sure you're subscribed there as well. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while and it's impacted your life, it would mean the world to me if you would leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever app you listen to podcasts through. That really does help us to grow our audience and reach more leaders, so thank you in advance for that. Well, in today's episode, leaders, you're going to hear a personal lesson by me. It's been a while because life has been crazy. And uh, today's lesson, I'll be teaching you a lesson I called Life at 37. And every year around my birthday, I try to do a personal lesson with what I'm learning at that age and that season of my life. And so that's what you're going to get today. I think it'll really add value to your life. But before we dive into that, just a few announcements. This episode of the L3 Leadership Podcast is sponsored by Baritone Advisors. The financial advisors at Baritone Advisors help educate and empower clients to make informed financial decisions. You can find out how Baritone Advisors can help you develop a customized financial plan for your financial future by visiting their website at baritongeadvisors.com. That's B-E-R-A-T-U-N-G advisors.com. Securities and investment products and services offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA and SIPC, Baritung Advisor, LPL Financial, and L3 Leadership are separate entities. I also want to thank our sponsor, Henny Jewelers. They're a jeweler owned by my friend and mentor, John Henny. My wife, Laura, and I got our engagement and wedding rings through Henny Jewelers and had a wonderful experience. And not only do they have great jewelry, but they also invest in people. In fact, for every couple that comes in engaged, they give them a book to help them prepare for marriage. And we just love that. So if you're in need of a good jeweler, check out hennyjewelers.com. And with all that being said, here's my lesson, Life at 37. Enjoy. Well, hey, leader, today I'd like to talk to you on the subject, life at 37. And I recently just turned 37 years old. And for some context, every year around my birthday, I take some time to reflect on where I am at that age and what I'm learning. And then I try to summarize everything into one lesson and share it with you. And I do that for two reasons. One is to document my life a year at a time. So I'll have a recording now of where I was at each age and what I was learning, what was important to me at that age. And the second reason I put together this lesson is to obviously add value to your life. And so I think the lessons I'll share today will be applicable no matter how old you are. You could be in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. I think the lessons um, apply across the board. And so I hope that they'll add value to your life. And so let's dive right in. Here is what I'm learning at the age of 37 years old. The first thing I wrote is at 37, life is nuts. (laughs) And so let me just use this to to give you some context of where I am in life. Uh, I'm still married to my high school sweetheart who I love will be celebrating our 10th anniversary this year, which is hard to believe. Although I will say we've been together for 20 years. Uh, Yes, that's right. It took me 10 years to grow into the man I needed to become to marry Laura, Um, but I'm glad I did. It was worth every single day of those 10 years to get to that point. And I'm very grateful for Laura. So we're married. Uh, We currently have three kids and we just went public and announced that number four is on their way. Uh, expected in December of 2022. And we're really excited uh, about growing our family this year as well. Uh, so that adds to the complexity of, of life right now. Uh, Laura and I both work full time. Uh, I'm currently the, the, the director of development at Light of Life Rescue Mission. And Laura is a sales manager uh, and oversees North America manufacturing sales for her company. Uh, so we're both very, very busy at work. And then uh, to add to that, uh, we've been in a townhouse for seven years. And so we've been looking to buy a house for a long time. And we just 
found uh, our dream home and purchased that. And so within the last two months specifically, uh, we have both bought and sold our house. And so to say that life is nuts and you know, with all the running around with kids uh, is probably an understatement, um, but it's really sweet season. We wouldn't trade it for anything in the world and we really, really love it. But at, at 37, life is nuts. So that's where I am. So let's dive into some lessons. Uh, number one, and I'll probably share this every year for the rest of my life, but at 37, I'm still more grateful for life than I have ever been. I'm still more grateful for life than I have ever been. And I would just tell you that I never take a day for granted anymore. And for those who have been along the journey on this podcast, about two years ago, uh, in the fall of 2020, I, I had I went through a, a really, really dark season, and um, it was just terrible. Uh, I had a mental breakdown. I didn't know if I was going to be able to ever work again, all kind of things. And you can go back and listen to, to you know what I learned through that season. Um, but I didn't know if I was going to make it out of that. And I wasn't suicidal or anything like that. I just literally, with how my body felt, I did not know if I would survive. And so uh, I am grateful for every day. I didn't know that I'd see 37, so I'm very glad that I am. And um, I'm just grateful for every day. And I would just encourage you, every day is a gift. And something I heard recently, I was actually watching a movie, and I just thought this was so profound. Uh, it's just someone said, getting older is a gift. And I think sometimes in our culture, we look at getting older as the opposite of that. We view it as a curse. Oh, I'm getting older. But uh, someone once said to me, every season of life gets sweeter and sweeter. And I couldn't agree more with that. And so getting older is a gift. And so at 37, I'm more grateful for life than I've ever been. And I hope that you are too. Number two, at 37, I'm no longer a young leader. Now, now this was eye-opening this year. I'm no longer a young leader. What do I mean by that? Well, uh, I remember that there was uh, our executive director at Light of Life scheduled a meeting recently, and it was for the young leaders of our organization. And I wasn't invited. And usually, I'm invited to all of those things. And um, you know, I didn't care that I was invited, but I was just like, hey, you know, I saw there was a young leader meeting in the organization, young influencers. Um, why, why wasn't I in that meeting? And I was told it's because you're over 35 and it was th- for 35 <laughs> and under. And at that point I said, oh my goodness, you know, I've been in the, the young leader uh, bucket, so to speak, for so long uh, and now I'm no longer in it. Now, do I think, you know, a young leader, you hit a certain age at 36 or 37, all of a sudden you're no longer a young leader? No, I don't think that. Um, but I would say experientially, I'm no longer a young leader. I've been in a significant leadership role in my organization now for uh, over four years and uh, and have been leading for a while. And so I do think I've, I've kind of transitioned from the emerging leader stage into the, the actual leadership stage. And you lead in both. So don't get me wrong. If you're an emerging leader, it's not like you don't have leadership responsibilities. It's just the scope of what you're leading and managing may be a little bit smaller. And so you may have to, to grow some more. So anyway, it's more of an observation, but I would say that this was the first year that I actually observed that I've made that transition. So at 37, I'm no longer a young leader. And the only thing I would add on to that is, um, I've shared this before, but when I turned 30, I did a decade review. And <clears throat> every year I do an annual review and review my year. And then every decade, <clears throat> I look back on the past 10 years of my life and try to extract lessons from that. And when I was doing my decade review, when I turned 30, God spoke to me and he said, Doug, in your 20s, I built a foundation for you to build your life on. In your 30s, I'm going to give you something to say. And in your 40s, I'm going to give you a platform to say it. And I would say that that was definitely true of my 20s. God laid a really solid foundation 
you know, I'm three quarters of the way through my thirties now. And I would just say, you know, in that transition from young leader to old leader, God has definitely given me a lot to say about leadership. I think for a long time in my twenties, I talked a lot about leadership, but it was a lot of theory. And so God has really used my thirties to move that leadership theory into leadership action. And so now when I talk about leadership, there's a lot more credibility. And I think there's something to that, you know, young leaders, it's great to study leadership and observe leadership and lead as much as you can while you're young. Um, but nothing will truly replace you actually being in the game on the field, leading uh, at a higher level. And so if you're in your 20s or if you're in an emerging leader position, keep leading, keep being faithful. Your opportunity will come. If you're in your 30s like me, making that transition, just keep leading well and keep doing the best that you can and uh, just take it one day at a time. So I'm no longer a young leader. Number three, at 37, I'm praying for clarity. Now, I wrote this lesson uh, two months ago, so I want to give you some context. But uh, at 37, I was praying this prayer. You know, I've had a lot of opportunities come my way uh, recently, just over the past few years, which has been wonderful. Opportunities are great, but when you have a lot of them, um, it can actually complicate things because you really have to discern, hey, what what am I supposed to do? What opportunity should I take? And so a prayer that I've been praying probably for you know six months to a year is, God, what is my highest and best use? What is my highest and best use? I don't want to waste time. I don't want to take opportunities that, that God doesn't have for me. I want to be used at my highest and best use all the time. So that's what I've been praying. And it's so interesting. Historically, how I would process this is as I would pray that, I'd pray that prayer, but then I would go try to process with all my, my leadership friends and so and people that know me well. Hey, what do you think my highest and best use is? What do you think I should be doing? And I'd constantly ask people. And the way my friend really challenged me, he said, Doug, I think you need to turn down the voices of other people in your life and turn up the voice of God in your life. You need to spend time hearing from God in this situation. And you know, even though I was praying that prayer, I wasn't taking the time to hear what God had to say. And just personally, you know, I've had a goal over the last five or six years spiritually to go on a silence and solitude retreat. For me, Silence and solitude has always been a challenge. Uh, for me, prayer has been a challenge. I wouldn't have said it at the time, but my actions would have told you that I thought prayer was a waste of time. And I would schedule silence and solitude retreats, but anytime I saw them on the calendar, something else would come up and I'd say, you know what, Like that sounds really fun. I'm going to do that instead. And so I literally, in five or six years of having a goal, have not had a silence and solitude retreat. Well, I'll tell you this, that, and I'll probably do a whole podcast on this, but just last week, I had the opportunity to go to Montana on a spiritual retreat with a, a bunch of uh, ministry leaders that I have the privilege of leading a mastermind group with. And we got away and turned off all of our email, turned off everything, and really just spent time with God on a daily basis. We prayed for each other. We spent two hours in prayer and worship each day. We had ministers come in and minister us. And then, I, and then Laura allowed me to have a few extra days in Montana. And so I really got to spend a lot of time with God. And you know what's so funny? When you actually designate time to spend it with God and listen to Him and get quiet and pray and worship, He'll actually meet you there and He'll speak to you. And again, I'm not going to unveil or reveal everything that God spoke in my heart that week about what my highest and best use is. Um, but I would tell you that he spoke to me very, very clearly. And uh, my encouragement here to you is if, if you're going to pray that prayer, God, what is my highest and best use? Make sure that you give him the time he needs in, in your devotion to actually speak to you where you actually listen. And maybe you're like me. Maybe you constantly try to listen to the voice of others and turn the voice of others up. And maybe you need to turn that down a little bit. I know I did. And, and turn up the voice of God, like my friend said. So uh, I, more than anything, I would just really challenge you uh, to ask God, what is my highest and best use? And I'll add one more thing. This will be a nugget uh, just for free. One thing that God did speak to me very, very clearly 
that I think is worth sharing is, and it goes along with this, this, this idea of giving God time. He spoke to me when I was praying, uh, I was spending time in prayer and worship. He said, Doug, you must, must, like that was very strong. You must lead your family in prayer and, and worship. You must. And he said, you've depended on so much of your walk with me uh, of getting in the word and the wisdom of God, which is great. He said, wisdom and the word are great, but you've lacked in prayer and intimacy and worship. And if you raise your kids that way, if they only have my word and wisdom, that won't be enough to sustain their walk with me for their life. And they won't be able to sustain that. And so you must lead your family in prayer and worship. So that's become one of my major goals as I, as I guess I go from 37 to 38, that's going to be a major emphasis on leading our family team. So I just wanted to add that in. It wasn't initially part of my lesson, but I thought it would add value. Um, and it goes right into the next lesson. At 37, family is everything. Family is everything. I mentioned Laura and I are going to celebrate 10 years. We have our fourth child on the way. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I would just say that that marriage and family are heaven on earth. And uh, I will say this. You know, I, It was funny. I posted the other day on LinkedIn about a lesson, and, and I'll share the lesson here. The lesson was very, very simple. My father-in-law, he told me, he said, Doug, um, before I got married to his daughter, Laura, he said, if, if you'll always give Laura something to look forward to, you can do whatever you want. He wasn't obviously saying I could do whatever I want morally, but he was just saying, always give her something to look forward to and, and she'll always be hoping and you'll always have excitement in your marriage. And that has absolutely played, played out. And one of our goals this year for not only our marriage, but in our family is to always have something to look forward to always. And that's created such joy um, in our family. But when I posted this, it was so funny on LinkedIn, uh, this one woman, she said, when I see your posts about marriage and family, it makes me want to puke. Now she did say it was good advice, but she's like, I never believe that people's lives that they post on social are as good as they are on social in real life. And I just, I just want to say, at least at this point in our marriage, we're 10 years in, our marriage has been heaven on earth. And I'm not saying that because we're perfect. We're certainly not perfect. We have issues just like anybody else. Um, but the, why I want to bring that up is because I, I mentioned earlier that it took me 10 years years to grow into the man I needed to be uh, to marry Lara. We had we went through a lot of hell in the first 10 years of our relationship, learning each other, growing up, maturing, um, working through issues. And we didn't know it at the time, but God was really setting a, a foundation up for our marriage. And so you know, I'm, I'm, I'll just speak on behalf of us. You know, when you see or hear me say that marriage is heaven on earth or family is heaven on earth, I want you to know that we put a ton of work into that. And, and again, we're not perfect. We're still putting work in. We continue to put work in week after week to make that. But, you know, a quote that came to mind when I heard that that woman gave me that critique she, uh, you know, was, you don't find a great life, you build one. You don't find a great life, you build one. You don't find a great marriage, you build a great marriage. You don't find great kids, you build great kids, You right? And so I just want to challenge you that if, if family is truly everything, and I did a whole podcast episode on how to lead, how we're leading our family team currently, and that's something we're always trying to grow and expand in, you can go back and listen to that on how we're leading our family team. But we're very, very intentional and, uh, and always looking to grow. So at 37, family is everything. It's an absolute priority. Uh, our vision is to raise a multi-generational family team on mission. We want to have generations of Smith who will live and walk with God all the days of their life and make an impact on the world. And I mentioned I was on that retreat in Montana. And one of the ministers we had come in uh, to pour into us was the great-great-grandson of Smith Wigglesworth. He's a fifth-generation preacher. And Smith Wigglesworth, Smith Wigglesworth was a man of faith in the 1800s, was used greatly by God. And I was just sitting there and I was staring at this man and, and he pastors a church in South Africa of 12,000 people and is making such an impact in the world. And I just thought, 
Here was a guy in the 1800s, Smith Wigglesworth, who started a family who obeyed God and walked with God and raised kids who walked with God. And now there's five generations of Wigglesworths. That wasn't his last name, but five generations who are living and walking for God and making an impact. How amazing would it be if a hundred years from now, our great, great grandchildren are making an impact and doing exploits for God. I mean, that is the vision. Family is everything. Next at 37, we're stewarding a lot for God. We're stewarding a lot for God. The reality is, um, and man, I can't even put in this word. We're so grateful. God has blessed us abundantly in multiple areas. And But the way we view it is, is we don't own anything. We don't own our influence. We don't own our gifting. We don't own our money. It's all God's. We don't own our kids. It's all God's. And we're just simply stewarding the gifts that God has put in our hand. And so a few areas that we're stewarding financially, Laura and I um, have started setting goals each year to increase the percentage of our income that we're giving away each year. And we're just trying to better steward and, and be more generous uh, for the kingdom of God and for nonprofits that we we look up to. We're trying to steward our influence. Again, it goes back to that question of, God, what is our highest and best use for our influence that you've given us? It's, it's, it's ours from you to steward. Help us steward it well. We're stewarding our gifting. Again, God's gifted each of us uh, in a unique way. God, how do we best use that? And then I mentioned our kids. God, how do we raise kids so that we can have a legacy like Smith Wigglesworth that I just mentioned? At 37, we're stewarding a lot for God. Next, at 37, I'm still, this will always be a thing, I'm still focused on making a difference every day. I'm still focused on making a difference every day. I say this every day. It was a John Maxwell quote, but he says, I want to make a difference (laughs) doing something that makes a difference with people that make a difference at a time that makes a difference. Now, years ago, I heard a stat that the, the average person by the t- in their lifetime will unintentionally influence 10,000 people in their lifetime. Isn't that crazy? The average person, if they do nothing, if they just live their life, they'll unintentionally influence 10,000 people. And my question to leaders is, what if you intentionally influence people? What if you intentionally used your influence? How big of an impact could you make? And I think I heard that stat before you know, social media was really on the scene. What if you intentionally used your social media and the platform that God's given you? How many people could you reach? What if you woke up every day and said, God, I want to make a difference. And you looked over your calendar and you looked at people that you saw online and said, how can I make a difference in their life today? And then you actually did something intentionally to make a difference. At 37, I'm more committed than ever to making a difference in the lives of others. A few more. At 37, I still believe character development is the most important development. I believe that character development is the most important development. And I've been saying this for years, and I'm not saying that my character is perfect. I'm always working. But a few thoughts here that I always challenge people uh, is one, who do you have in your life? Or who do you have in your life that you can be fully known, fully loved, and fully challenged with? And this is our whole vision for mastermind groups. We want to create a community of people where in a mastermind group, you are fully known. That means you can fully be who you are, share what you're going through and be vulnerable, and then be fully loved. People will love you where you're at, no matter what you're going through. And then yet be fully challenged that they'll just not love you and give you a hug. But sometimes, you know, when we want a hug, we need a slap in the face and that they'll get in your face and actually challenge you. So do you have a place like that? And if you don't, I really encourage you get in a mastermind group. You need a place in your life where you're fully known, fully loved and fully challenged. Number two is who do you have in your life that can tell you no? Now, if you're in a mastermind group, that should, that should meet that. But do you have someone in your life that can tell you no, that you'll actually listen to? If you don't, you need to find that immediately. And then number three, and I always have to add the God card. Are you walking with God? If you, are you walking with God? I had a mentor tell me once, he said, Doug, let God be the architect of your growth. 
And I love that. And here's what I love about God. Do you know that I gave my life to Christ when I was 17 years old? Do you know that God knew every single issue that I'd ever go through in my life and have to work on? And and he only allows me to focus on one issue at a time. Do you know there's issues in my life right now that I'm not even aware of because it's a blind spot? And God knows I'm going to have to deal with that in five years. But but he's saying, Doug, here's the issues that you have to work on right now at 37. And I have some issues that I'm working on character-wise. So man, we need to constantly be growing. And if you're constantly walking with God, he will grow your character. I promise you. If you love and follow God, he will grow your character. Next, at 37, I am more aware of the help that I need than I ever have been before. I am more aware of the help that I need than I ever have been before. And, uh, you know, as I've grown as a leader and as I grow older, I become more and more aware of my strengths, what I'm gifted at, what I'm good at. And then I become very aware of things that I'm not good at, uh, which is a, a lot longer of a list than the things I'm good at. Um, but I really am starting to learn of where do I add the most value? And that's where I need to focus on. That's what I need to be my sweet spot and everything else I need to, to, to delegate or get help with. And a phenomenal book that I read uh, last year that really helped with this is a book by Dan Sullivan and Daniel Hardy. Uh, or it's not Daniel Hardy. I apologize. I forget the guy's name. Ben- Benjamin Hardy. Thank you. Benjamin Hardy. Uh, it's called Who Not How. Who Not How. It's such, a, it's such an awesome concept. He said, you know, a lot of, he was talking to entrepreneurs. He said, a lot of entrepreneurs try to figure out how to do something. And it's like, how do I get that done? How? And they try to figure it out on themselves. He said, the question they should be asking is who? Who can do that? Because I'm not going to be able to figure out how. I'm not gifted in that area. I'm not good in that area. Who can I get that can help me with this? And you need to surround yourself with who's who complement you. Who's. So start asking in your life, who, not how. I think this is so good. And then another revelation that I've shared about this was I realized that I'm a who to other people. There's things that I do that other people need me to do based on my giftedness. And that's where I need to focus on. And so Realize that you're a who and you add value to people and you need to surround yourselves with who's that can help you. So very, very important. At 37, I'm more aware of the help I need now more than ever. And here, leader, don't be afraid to ask for help. You can't do it all. You need help. Get help. All right. Last two. At 37, the decisions I've made over the last 20 years are starting to compound in ways that I couldn't have imagined. At 37, the choices I've made are starting to compound. I I shared with you that God said in your 20s, I laid a foundation for you to build your life on. And fortunately, I was surrounded by a great counsel and I was following God in my early or late teens, early 20s and all throughout my 20s. And I really do feel like the decisions I made during my 20s are starting to compound now, um, shaping who who I became. You know, who I became ultimately attracted Laura and is the reason Laura married me because I became the man I needed to be. Um, I became the leader I needed to be to be in the position that I'm in now. And all I want you to know is that your decisions matter. Your decisions matter. My favorite decision or choice quote is from John Wooden. He said, there's a choice that you make in everything that you do. So be aware that the choice you make makes you. The choices you make make you. Now, maybe you're listening to this and you've made bad choices for the last 20 years and maybe they're compounding negatively. Well, here's what I know. You can start today and have a brand new end. You can start to make good choices today and it may not multiply overnight. It may just start to add to your life. But if you'll continue to make good choices day in and day out over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, those decisions, good decisions in every area of your life, physically, relationally, 
financially, spiritually, et cetera. If you'll make good choices in all of those areas, those areas will start to compound in your life. And I know, and I can say that because that's what they've started to do in my life. And I'm just extremely grateful for, for all the people that have poured into me. It's one of the reasons I do the podcast and interview so many leaders because I just want to learn. I want to learn what are the best choices I could be making? What's the wisest thing to do in the situations that I'm in? And fortunately, I've been able to have that. And so very, very grateful. If you don't have it, find it. You will not regret it. And then lastly, and this is really just a summary, at 37, I'm in a great spot. At 37, I'm in a great spot, and I'm extremely grateful for another year. And here's the reality. If you're listening to this, uh, or if you see me post about this anywhere, you've probably in some way influenced my life, and I just want to say thank you. You know, if you listen to this podcast, I do this podcast because of you, because I want to add value to your life and make a difference in your life. And so I don't take one listener for granted. So if you've listened to this podcast, thank you. You're, you're a part of, of me making a difference every day. And um, I'm just very, very grateful for all the people who have poured into me. And I'm very grateful for the life I have at 37. And so that's me at 37. I don't know what age you are as you listen to this, but I would love to hear back some feedback from you on what are you learning at the age you're at? And if, if this isn't a practice in your life, I really want to encourage you, maybe take some time and reflect on where you are in your life and start to do that every year. And, uh, and again, I always talk about my annual reviews. I have several podcasts on how to do a year-end review. If you don't do that every single year at the end of the year, I can't encourage you enough to. It'll change your life. Thanks for listening. I hope this episode added value to your life and we'll talk to you next time. Well, hey, leader, thank you so much for listening to my lesson, Life at 37. I hope it added value to your life. And you can find links to anything that I mentioned in the episode at l3leadership.org forward slash 327. And as always, leader, I want to challenge you that if you want to 10x your growth this year, then you need to either launch or join an L3 Leadership Mastermind Group. Mastermind groups have been the greatest source of growth in my life over the last seven years. And if you don't know what they are, they're just simply groups of six to 12 leaders that meet together for at least one year in order to help each other grow, hold each other accountable, and to do life together. So if you're interested in learning more about masterminds, go to l3leadership.org forward slash masterminds. And as always, leader, I like to end every episode with a quote. And today I'll quote Gerald Brooks, who I quote often. I love this. He said, listening to people's applause is a quick way to miss God. And if you listen to the full lesson, you know that that resonates with me deeply. So listening to people's applause is a quick way to miss God. I hope this episode encouraged you. Know that Laura and I love you. We believe in you. And we say it all the time, but leader, keep leading. Don't quit. The world desperately needs your leadership. We'll talk to you next episode.